This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a bonus episode of Freedom Books, Flowers in the Moon, the TLS podcast. The inaugural Gabriel Garcia Marquez lecture was given this February by the novelist Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, part of Hay Festival Cartagena in Colombia, what you're about to hear is a recording of that lecture. Adiche began, once the tremendous applause had died down, by recalling a significant episode in her childhood in Nigeria. Hola. <laughs> I remember the day clearly. My brothers and I had played football in our backyard in the afternoon on the lawn lined by short bushes with tart red fruits that we called cherries. I was 10 years old. My best friend Uju lived on the next street, and even though it was a short distance from their house to ours, I instead liked the even shorter distance of climbing over the hedge and immediately being on her street. My parents disapproved of this. And so my brothers and I always did it with great stealth. One person checked to make sure my father was not in his study because his study was upstairs and from the window he could see us at the hedge. And then when all was clear, we scaled it quickly. It was a low hedge. But to further discourage the climbing, my parents had barbed wire fencing put up as well. And so on this day, as I was trying to get over the hedge and fence, a sharp corner of the barbed wire caught at my arm and tore a small hole in my flesh, which bled for a little while. And so I remember that day as the day I got a scratch from the barbed wire and the day I discovered Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uju's big brother was bookish, and full of esoteric knowledge. And on his bedroom wall were cardboard posters on which he had written cryptic quotes from clearly brilliant people that none of us had ever heard of. He knew I was a reader, and from time to time, he gave me books. That day, the day I got a scratch from the barbed wire, he pressed into my hand a thick paperback whose pages bore the dirty marks of too many fingers. You will like this book, he said. It was 100 years of solitude. That night in bed, I began to read. And like millions of people all over the world, 
I fell in love. I had never read a book like it, and for many years afterwards, it would be the book that I wished I had written. My brother, Oke, who was my co-reader when we were growing up, read it after I did. Oke is here, by the way, seated somewhere in front. And so this morning, as I was preparing for this lecture, I asked Oke whether he remembered reading the novel all those years ago. Yes, he said. That book where ants carry a baby away and a man is tied to a tree and a woman rises into the sky. <laughs> and then he added, a very creepy book. <laughs> now, creepy wasn't quite what I expected him to say. But what better testament to a novel, what better compliment than to be remembered 30 years later? And even the word creepy in this context is a compliment, because I think what Oke was trying to capture, and something I feel too, is the unusually haunting, evocative nature of 100 Years of Solitude, and indeed of Marquez's other novels. The way the reader is utterly held but not against her will. The way language functions as a hallucinatory maze in which we are enclosed willingly and yet also helplessly. The way we are so immersed, so absorbed by the sensory details that we have no choice but to remember it 30 years later. And so, it was this kind of enchantment, this kind of possession that I thought about when I was asked to consider for this presentation Marquez's famous quote that begins with the words, I am a journalist above everything else. My initial feeling was one of resistance. Surely, I thought, he cannot claim to be a journalist above everything else because journalism does not create the magic that his novels do. And didn't he write in his autobiography that he had read early in life all the books he would need to learn the novelist's craft, not the journalist's craft? And didn't he refer often to novels? Didn't Faulkner's landscapes of the American South speak to his perception of his own world? But of course, this was a simplistic and even knee-jerk reaction on my part, because I was too familiar with a certain kind of Western literary orthodoxy, an orthodoxy that makes writers bristle when they're asked about the real-life basis for their fictional characters or about the real stories behind their fiction. Because this orthodoxy teaches us to privilege the idea of the imagination, which is all well and good. But it also often assumes that imagination falls from the sky on a good, clear morning when we are lucky. That imagination is untethered to the mundane reality of lived experience. And so writers sometimes get upset when asked about the story behind their stories, because they assume that to ask them that question is to accuse them of a lack of imagination. An accusation that is perhaps seen as appropriate for journalism, but not for fiction. Because where journalism is the work of a diligent carpenter, fiction is the work of the gifted mad artist. And we all would rather be the gifted mad artist. But perhaps we need to question this distinction more. Because to write a novel is often to be both carpenter 
and mad artist. Because understood more generously, reportage is in fact the basis for many novels. It is certainly the basis for my own novels, especially the novel which has the most emotional significance for me, Half of a Yellow Sun, my second novel set mostly during the Nigeria-Biafra War from 1967 to 1970. I was born seven years after the war ended, and I experienced nothing of it. My parents did, as did my older sisters, who were four and two, and my eldest brother, who was born in the war, in a hospital that was bombed shortly after my mother delivered him. But for as long as I can remember, I have been haunted by that period of my family's and my country's history. I saw the physical scars left behind. There was an auditorium on the campus of the University of Nigeria where I grew up, whose roof had been blown off in the war, and it had never been rebuilt, and it became a part of its legendary charm. And in the early 1980s, while playing in our yard with my brothers, Oke and Kene, we would sometimes find rusty bullets, relics from the war. But our lives were normal and happy and stable. And so when I began to write the novel, I was interested not so much in the physical scars as in the emotional scars. I was interested in exploring the story of my parents and their generation of Nigerians, middle-class educated people who were fortunate enough to get government scholarships and to study in the US and in Europe in the early 1960s, and who returned to Nigeria eager to be part of the growth of their newly independent countries, and who suddenly found themselves in the middle of a war. What does it mean to go from making egg sandwiches for your children in your nice little house with well-tended hibiscuses in the front yard to standing in line at a refugee camp begging for dried egg yolk flown in by the Red Cross. What does that do to your sense of self? What does it do to your relationship with your loved ones? And yet, it would be impossible for me to address this emotional terrain without first knowing the facts, without first doing my research, without first engaging in reportage. I read every book I could find about that period. I looked at archives, I listened to radio broadcasts, I looked at old newspapers, I spoke to people who had lived through it. Almost every single story in that novel is based on something real. And I put the word real in quotes because I believe fiction also to be just as real, but that is a talk for another day. But none of these real incidents in the novel are recounted exactly as they happened. I have taken the facts and I have made them my own. I have colored them, I have reshaped them. And so it is reportage, but it is one that must necessarily be infused with poetry. The kind of poetry that turned the marshes of Marquez's Caribbean landscape into a dreamy, nostalgic mystery. Journalism as it is practiced today can be stifled by its own rules. I'm not so sure what Marquez would make of a certain kind of journalism of today in countries that are stumbling to the political right. A defensiveness on the part of those accused of liberal bias and a need to overcorrect and achieve that strange thing called balance. 
To start a story, a true story, thinking of balance, is already to place an obstacle in the path of that story. Because what one must focus on is not balance, but truth. Perhaps the more important question is not so much about the distinction between journalism and fiction as it is whether we should rethink the labels we attach to writing, whether we should think simply of good writing and bad writing, storytelling that engages and storytelling that does not. Marquez's autobiography, Living to Tell the Tale, is a wonderfully engaging story, full of beautiful imagery, interesting insights, if you tore off the covers and give it to somebody who had never heard of it, they might very well think it was a novel. Thank you. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie giving the inaugural Gabriel Garcia Marquez lecture. A recording of the conversation that followed, along with the full Hay Festival archive, is available to subscribers to the Hay Player online at hayfestival.org. As for the TLS, we'll be back at Hay Festival in Wales this summer. Go to hayfestival.com for tickets and information. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.